This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I am delighted to welcome back a dear friend and colleague, Danielle Grant. Welcome back. Thank you, Caroline. It's great to be speaking with you again on your show. Well, I am over the moon delighted, Danielle. You and I go way back, and I want to tell that our global audience, you are a director at Leadershape Global, and today we're going to be taking a deep dive talking about transpersonal leadership and leading beyond the ego. Danielle, clearly you are an expert in transpersonal leadership, but this may not be a term familiar to everyone in our global audience. So tell us what it is and and how it's really different than other definitions of leadership. Okay, so I think other definitions of leadership and other um, approaches are very much about the what you do uh, rather than the who you are. And in today's world, I think who you are, be the being, is more important, if anything, than just the doing, because you can do things the right way or the wrong way, but if your being is aligned with values and purpose, then it's a much more sustainable, powerful, and transformational approach. So we would say that transpersonal leaders operate beyond their ego, in alignment with their purpose and values, and thereby they create sustainably successful cultures in their organizations. So fundamentally is that they're authentic. They're not just putting on a mask. They have a high level of emotional intelligence. So they're caring. But as well as that, they think radically differently, um, enabling everyone to contribute to the success of the organization. For me, the underpinning philosophy echoes and brings together rational, emotional, and spiritual, or perhaps we could call it eco-intelligence. So for me, it's a bit of a 21st century update of the old 19th century philanthropic entrepreneurs um, who used to find that they had a purpose in ameliorating the lives of their, uh, of their workers and others in the broader community. Um, so I kind of say, that if leadership 1.0 is the old command and control, know everything and tell people what to do, and leadership 2.0 is around becoming an emotionally intelligent leader, then this is leadership 3.0. It's about realizing that we live in a systemic world and that what we do here has impacts far beyond uh, what we immediately perceive. I love the 3.0 concept. You know, it's fascinating because we're still navigating what I call the post-pandemic journey. I know you were in the UK and I'm in the US and we're still dealing with COVID. Uh, We seem to have a much better handle on it now with vaccines, but it's still impacting the daily lives and we're seeing a heightened stress. And this has given people an opportunity to really reflect on their values and purpose. You you gave a bit of a teaser, Danielle. How is purpose in transpersonal leadership different than the the corporate speak of a vision and mission? So purpose is the why. As as, uh, Daniel Pink says, uh, it's, it's linked to the notion of vocation in some ways. 
I mean, you know, we used to talk about nursing being a vocation or being a doctor being a vocation. But these days, everything seems to be a profession or a qualification rather than a vocation. And I think we've lost something in losing that sense. So in corporate speak, vision is about what, mission is about how, and purpose is about why. So we need all three. So for my take on it is that deeply motivated people hitch their desires to a bigger cause. They say, what contribution can I make to improve the world, even if only just a little bit? When that's all aligned, there is flow, there's energy, there's commitment and motivation. And our younger generation who are coming up into leadership roles today, in particular, they want to feel that their work has an intrinsic meaning um, and value. And that drives their discretionary effort. Also, that drives innovation and thereby success. So, you know, these days, some research done shows that 63% of our younger generation feel that the primary purpose of an organization should be improving society rather than simply making profit. Um, and if we look at it, we all had a global purpose to defeat COVID. And that led to world-leading innovations in very tight time frames. It changed work patterns around the globe. It sent drug manufacturers into um, collaborations with others. It got Formula One teams involved in ventilator development. And, and that's amazing. I don't know if that's ever happened before. Um, but ultimately, what it means is that leaders have to articulate the purpose clearly and win over champions across the organization so that everybody's energies are harnessed. That means it, they get a future focus that is a counterbalance to the uncertainty, the anxiety and fear that is everywhere. Um, and purpose-driven organizations embed this in every action, and that enables a greater long-term approach to success. And again, there's data out there from you know, big organizations like Deloitte and, and McKinsey that shows that lack of clear purpose results in a lower performance of up to 40%, um, and that engagement is 73% in purpose-led organizations, but only at 23% in those without. So working with purpose is not just good for people, it's good for companies. Yes, yes. I believe we're still living in a polarized world. And there's an interesting term in the US that we call VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Is this something that, that's trending in the UK, this term? For sure. I mean, you know, all the fake news, the unethical behavior. I get really tired of the media just looking to bring down everybody that wants to do something fresh or different, um, you know, cancel culture and everything else. And I think this smacks to me of indoctrination because radicalization happens and is enabled by um, the technologies we have today that when you look at one thing, you'll get fed more and more of the same. So you no longer listen to dissenting views. So in order to cut across that, we need ethical leaders that are genuinely ethical across all contexts because people spot a fake and won't follow them. And that creates dissonance, it reduces commitment and it reduces discretionary effort. 
And if a person at the heart of an organization is ethical, it cascades through a business and that ensures that the business is well run. It promotes good governance because compliance is not enough. Compliance doesn't engage hearts as well as minds. Um, and good governance will be adhered to because these good behaviors are embedded in the DNA of the organization so that bribery, cronyism, nepotism, cheats and dangerous shortcuts then don't get taken. And we only look at examples of unethical leadership around us, whether that's in politics or business, where massive fines, reputational damage, and even the collapse of massive corporations can be identified as having its roots in a lack of ethical adherence and ethical behavior. So, you know, things that are simply expedient or turned a blind eye to may be really damaging to the potential survival of an organization. Wow, thank you for that. You know, Danielle, it's an interesting time in history because we had uh, a case study out of necessity working at home during the um, work from home part of the of the pandemic when it wasn't safe to be out and about and flexibility and agility and the ability to navigate change remains uh, important for all of us. But in the U.S., we see that employees are craving flexible work schedules. And some companies are pushing back, demanding that everybody comes back to the office. So let's get specific. And I'd love for you to explain how a transpersonal leader might deal with this very complex situation to have a teachable moment for those that are listening out there. So for me, it begins with the fact that a transpersonal leader recognizes that each person has a different set of needs to enable them to give their best. So, you know, for one person, a reward might be a couple of hours out to go to their kid's Christmas or, or school play. Uh, for another, it may be um, a bonus. So everybody has different priorities and different needs, and it's recognizing that individuality and the individual needs. So a transpersonal leader would not see the, the idea of flexible working as a one size fits all. Okay, everybody comes in on a Tuesday and a Friday or whatever that may be. And they'd be prepared to tailor the work scheduling and the environment to some extent so that every individual feels that they've been listened to and supported. And that requires some flexibility, some negotiation, and compromise around the requirements of the job and the location schedule of the individual. So that can all be agreed with goodwill. Um, so the benefits of coming together in the office has its attendant positive um, facets of socializing of ideas, um, sparking off one another, building stronger collaborative relationships, and the cultural aspects that are much more powerful when people are in one place. But that has to be balanced against the individual's need for flexibility and potentially some working from home. So I think a transpersonal leader would come at it from a, a person-centric as well as a value-centric viewpoint. And they would seek to find a compromise that gets the best of both worlds. Danielle Grant will be right back after a quick break. Hello there, it's Caroline Dowd-Higgins. I know that hiring the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. 
You need a speaker who can customize content to meet your goals and someone who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Meeting planners around the world have recognized me for being easy to work with and uniquely suited to create dynamic programming for your needs. My style is high energy and engaging with practical takeaways that participants can implement in their lives and careers immediately. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create healthy workplace cultures, or prevent burnout in your organization, I create customized content to help recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. From the boardroom to the training room or the convention hall, I will help your audience thrive. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. You can find me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. Danielle, the book has a chapter about rewiring your brain for sustainable success. So let's talk about that. What is sustainable leadership and what's the shift required for sustainable success? Well, I think this speaks to personal sustainability more than environmental. When people say sustainability, the automatic thought is this is about the environment. Um, But everything starts with you. You know, you are the catalyst for whatever happens around you. Um, and that's just kind of a little thought around the the systemic process that uh, that we that we inevitably impact. So this is about recognizing the adverse effects on your health and your well-being of working till you burn out. It's also slightly about the matters we've already talked about, leading ethically, having your values and purpose front and center, so you attract and retain the best employees. You also create loyalty with customers and you look at the longer term value to all stakeholders rather than personal gain. And if we look at it, ongoing stress reduces the capacity of the brain and uh, reduces the capacity of the brain and organizational stress reduces the collective capacity of the organization. And that's kind of obvious when you say it like that. Uh, But to change this means that we have to rewire our brains through the process we know as neuroplasticity. And the way we do it is by consciously changing our habits to more positive ones over time. And as we do that, the less helpful habitual pathways gradually fall into disuse and they're replaced by the new one. So one example practically might be letting go of self-limiting beliefs, such as I must work harder than everyone else, or I need to know everything to be good at my job. And those can be rewired more helpfully um, to say, well, actually everybody is fallible, everybody is learning, there is nobody that is the finished article and being kinder to yourself So instead of also looking at a solely financial measure of success, we look at a more balanced approach. So we look at the impact of the business on people, on their economic performance and our environmental impact. And that's the so-called triple bottom line. And ultimately it creates healthier, happier and more sustainable success for every organization that adopts that. 
I'm so grateful, Danielle, that you talked about neuroplasticity and rewiring our brains and gave everybody listening permission to know it's gradual, it's incremental, small steps every day, because it it can be daunting to think I just have to completely shift my thinking overnight and I will be different. It is a gradual process over time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, this is a stepwise process because you got into a habit of perhaps interrupting other people um, because you thought you had a lack of time, you just wanted to get to the get to the answer. But ultimately, in order to help people grow, you have to allow them to come up with the answer and start to look at it as a new positive habit of listening more actively and feeding back to people what you've heard. And that builds their capacity. Um, And as you do that more and more and you see the positive effects of it, that new habit becomes a positive new way of being. And I talked about being earlier in our conversation. And this is about shifting your being as well as your doing. I want to shift to giving and receiving developmental feedback because it's essential for for the growth and development of leaders at all levels, but it's often hard to give. And I know that at Leadership Global, you have an incredible tool called the LIPA, the Leadership and Emotional Intelligence Performance Accelerator that supports feedback as a reflection. So tell our audience about it and perhaps give an example of how it has helped a leader develop. For sure. Um... The first point to say is that um, it's really important to separate out the person from the behavior, um, from the manifestation of what they do and how people experience it. And that's actually something I've always done with my kids. Um, I've never criticized them and said, you're a naughty child. I've always said that behavior was unacceptable. So they don't feel that their being as a human is undermined or diminished. And I think that's crucial. And LEAP is designed to work in that way because it offers an opportunity to those surrounding the leader to provide a structured observation of their habitual behavior. So they might be asked, for example, how often does this person stand up for what's right, including voicing unpopular views? Um, And also, how often would you like this person to do that? How often would you like to see them doing this? So it allows the observer to say, well, out of every five times I interact with Joe, um, I see it three out of five times. But actually, for them to be more effective in their role, I'd like to see it four out of five times. So this creates a direct context of the person to the role, and it's completely objective. It doesn't criticize the individual. It simply objectively observes their behavior. So through that process, you identify a few important but simple behavioral steps that can transform the way a leader is experienced. And it enables them to use that feedback as a template for developing positive new ways of being. So it's been used for over 15 years across the world with leaders as diverse as those at the Disney Digital Studios to an evangelical Christian church Uh, to a sugar-growing corporation in Africa with equally valid results. So um, you asked for an example. So some years ago, we used it with a sales-led company across their whole leadership cadre at all levels, um, helping them identify 
the emotional intelligence development needs of everybody that had a um, leadership role or management role. And the key need that was identified was that they needed to identify, they, the key need was identified to develop a more coaching style. So that in turn meant they had to develop empathy, listening skills, and of course, a focus on developing people. So when these leaders were coached to improve those attributes and behaviors, and we gave them practice in using the coaching style, the end result after 12 months was the churn of people leaving reduced by 45%. And the time for new hires to be revenue positive was halved from six months to three months, and they were happier. And ultimately, that resulted in a bottom line improvement of 10% of a you know, better performance that had a financial impact on the business. Thank you for those examples. And I have to say from personal experience, I have taken the LIPA and it was a transformative assessment for me in my continuous growth. And as an executive coach trained by leadership, I use it as well. So I'm eager for our audience to learn at the end of the show how they can connect with you to learn more about that. But I want to honor um, something that happened recently, the passing of beloved Queen Elizabeth And it has given us a chance to really reflect upon her strength and humanity as a leader and certainly gave us some thought about other women leaders. So let's talk about transpersonal leadership and how it might uniquely apply to women. What are the differences that that you've seen between men and women leaders in your career? So what I'd like to do, first of all, is just to pay tribute to Queen Elizabeth, because her example of selfless service really shines out in a time when world leaders seem to be only in it for themselves. And to me, um, and I realize this is not going to be necessarily the view of um, the US audience, um, it is a benefit of a constitutional monarchy rather than a political president because Queen Elizabeth adhered to all the attributes, or most of them, of a transpersonal leader, in that she was clearly ethical, always authentically herself, and though they might seem small, made radical changes to the institution of the monarchy, and she kept learning all her life, whether it was creating new traditions when Princess Diana died, or embracing Zoom in her mid-90s. She loved her people, and she was loved in return, not just in the UK, but pretty much globally. And she began her reign in the male-dominated 50s and earned the universal respect of everyone that encountered her. And I think she laid the foundations for greater prominence of women in leadership roles. Um, I think she impacted women in leadership everywhere, perhaps very subtly, but I think she did. Um, I don't think transpersonal leadership applies uniquely to women. But all the data that we have shows that women are naturally more competent in all but one of the emotional intelligence capabilities essential for leaders. So perhaps more women have a slightly smoother journey towards it. And uh, it may not surprise you to know that the one attribute in the transpersonal leadership journey that men are still naturally more competent in is that of self-confidence. And... um, it seems to be a an ongoing thing that women are more demanding of themselves and um, less willing to feel that they deserve that next big step up the ladder than than men are. 
And uh, I think that's still something that we all need to carry on working. I would agree. I would agree wholeheartedly. The talent wars, the quest for top talent are alive and well. And the candidates are in the driver's seat. They have many, many options. And so many are considering company culture. Is this a place where I can do my best work? So how does a transpersonal leader impact culture? Leadership Global define culture as the way we do and improve things around here. Um, A new leader will very quickly set a climate, for example, by demonstrating their own ethical, purposeful approaches, or conversely, a lack of good values in their behavior. And we don't have to search very far around the world for examples of both. But very quickly, those around them emulate that behavior and the culture changes in that direction. So if a leader expresses and lives the desired purpose and values of the organization, eventually the culture is created that attracts the best candidates um, and they will stay and grow and be more committed. It generates customer loyalty, it generates a great reputation, and all of these things are key drivers of sustainable success. So it definitely, I feel that people um, in a leadership role um, can grow. Uh, I believe that people in a leadership role can drive sustainable success um, through being on that transpersonal journey because they do impact the culture so that it becomes more supportive and more enthusing and more engaging. Danielle, I I believe in the power of failure as a tool to learn and take risks. So where does failure come into play for transpersonal leaders? So um, I'll give you an example from my own life. I once attended a large NLP seminar and the speaker asked the group who had made a mistake in their lives. And over 100 plus people put their hands up except me. Well, perhaps not surprisingly, the speaker singled me out and asked me why I hadn't put my hand up. And my reply was that if I'd learned something from the event, then it was a learning experience, not a mistake. So, you know, as Edison famously said, he never failed. He just found 2000 ways not to make a light bulb. So my view is that there is no such thing as failure, simply learning. A transpersonal leader is by definition a lifelong learning and always seeks learning from every situation. So if you label yourself or your actions as failures, then the potential for learning and healthy self-assurance is reduced. And in itself, that will hold back your growth and that of the people that you impact. Well, I love the reframe. Thank you for that. That's excellent. Lifelong learner and uh, reframing failure. Danielle, as we wrap up, I, I want to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. These are buzzwords, especially in the United States. Everybody's talking about it, but very few organizations have truly accomplished what I would call a diverse work environment that is engaged. And you write about this so beautifully, and there's a new lens on diversity and inclusion in your book. So tell me more about that. Okay, so I'm going to start from my personal lens, and it may seem fanciful. However, I kind of think of it a metaphor for the way a transpersonal leader may look at people. I like to think of every human being as an alien. 
after all, you know, we all have unique DNA, unique irises, unique fingerprints. So we may as well all be aliens in my view. So if everyone was an alien, nobody would be able to label them or make assumptions or have prejudices about how they respond to the world, what their norms are, what their abilities are, what their contribution might be. We would just need to be non-judgmentally curious. So if we think of everybody as an alien, it's only by getting to know them and asking questions, being curious, that we would start to see that they're unique talents that we could bring to bear on the challenges in our organizations. And if we look at it in nature, which is a complex adaptive system, we know that the diversity of genetics creates healthy organisms. So if you inbreed, then major health and life condition, life-threatening conditions arise. That's equally true of the workplace. But we have to look at it in a multifaceted way. People may have different educational backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, gender differences, ethnicities, or ways of thinking, neurodiversity. You know, most of the geniuses that we would applaud and want in our organizations that we never had labels for would today be ADHD or, um, or have an autistic spectrum or be in the autistic spectrum. But those are, are benefits because they bring different perspectives, different genetics to the organization. They avoid an ossified groupthink and enable more innovation. They also mean that your customer groups are better represented in the organization so that those voices for all your customers out there have a representation and it gives more agility and more responsiveness. So, you know, bring an alien into your organization. Uh, let them have the right space and acceptance to thrive and contribute. I love it. Bring an alien in. Excellent. Excellent. Danielle, I always enjoy our conversations and I learned so much from you. Let me tell our global audience about the book. It's called Transpersonal Leadership and Action, How to Lead Beyond the Ego. And you co-wrote pardon me, this extraordinary book with your colleagues, Duncan Enright, John Knights, and Greg Young. And of course, it is available on Amazon and all major book retailers. But I want to announce the leadershapeglobal.com website because it's chock full of resources. And perhaps you can tell our global listeners how they can reach out to you, how they can find you to continue this conversation. I would welcome that. I'm always happy to chat to anybody and uh, and share ideas and share stories. It's amazing when you share stories with people, how rich the dialogue can be. So that you can get hold of me either by going onto the Our Team page of www.leadershapeglobal.com or I'm obviously on uh, on LinkedIn. So just Google or, or search Danielle Grant um, on LinkedIn and you'll find me there. Lovely. Danielle, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for having me again. You are most welcome, my dear. And if you like the show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this helps new listeners find us online. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.